Welcome to Faith Bridge Sermons Podcast. This sermon features Pastor Dan Slagle and is recorded on Sunday, September 19th as part two of our sermon series, How to Be Human, a fresh look at the Ten Commandments. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you find it refreshing and meaningful. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us next Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Or if you're part of Faith Bridge Online, we invite you to join us at faithbridge.org live. Here's Pastor Dan. Faith Bridge, it's so good to have you in church today. Whether you're here in Center Court West, in our communion venue, or coming to us online, we're so glad that you've chosen to worship at Faith Bridge today. My name is Pastor Dan, and we are continuing in our sermon series, How to Be Human, a fresh look at the Ten Commandments. Today we're looking at the Ninth Commandment, Exodus 20, 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for today and for the opportunity to be in your house. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're talking about truth-telling. And in that vein, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I had a lot of really good help in developing this message. Some people uh, challenged me with some excellent questions and guided my thinking. Among those were Lizzie Bailey, our worship leader, and uh, Professor Peter Kraft and Pastor John Tyson. Truth-telling. We underestimate, I think, How vital, how important it is to our relationships. Though we know up here it's important. In the living of everyday life, sometimes it can just get lost in the shuffle. Several years ago when I was pastoring in Georgia, my wife Becky and I lived in a home that had an unfinished basement. It was just a a, a concrete floor, bare concrete floor and studs. And that was where uh, I had been consigned to have my office. And on the whole, it it wasn't a bad arrangement. I certainly had privacy down there, nice and quiet. But the one thing that was a bit troublesome was uh, in the wintertime, that concrete floor could get really cold. And so one day I asked Becky, uh, do we have a rug or something that that I could put down there just so it's, it's not so uncomfortable? And I noticed... There was a bit of reluctance in her answer. Like, well, do we have one? And she said, well, yes, there is one that I would loan to you. Like, loan to me. I thought we were in this together, you know. She said, well, I'm a little hesitant because it's a a really nice rug. I really like it. It's a a big square of uh, Berber carpet off-white. And I said, hey, no problem. I'll be careful. And I was, until I wasn't. (laughs) One day, 
uh, I had fixed for myself lunch. Uh, some, I heated up some leftover spaghetti. And as I was approaching my desk, my foot got caught on the edge of the carpet and kersplat. Meatballs, noodles, all over the definitely now off-white <laughs> Berber carpet. And my attempts to clean it up only made the situation worse, much worse. And so I did what any sensible person would do. I found a space heater and I covered it up. <laughs> and that worked like a dream throughout the winter. But then spring rolls around and Becky decides it's time to do some spring cleaning. And I came bebobbing down the stairs that day to find my wife standing there holding a space heater. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. It was not good. She was quite upset. And my response was, hey, come on, are you really going to get in a snit over a, a piece of carpet? I mean, we get another one. And... But of course, it, it wasn't the carpet that was the issue. That just happened to be the vehicle no, the real issue was trust, truth-telling. The necessary foundation for all good, healthy relationships. And I had compromised that. Did I tell an out-and-out -out lie? No. But was I deceptive? Yes. And it did nothing to strengthen our relationship. It's for that very reason that God gave us the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. To get the full import of the commandment, of course, we have to go back to the original context. You will recall Moses had just led the Hebrews out of Egypt. They had been there for 400 years as slaves living under Egyptian law. And while it may not have been comfortable, at least they knew what the law was. But now they're out on their own and they are becoming the nation of Israel, a fledgling, fragile nation at that. And God understood if there is not some sort of law and order, some sort of justice built upon the foundation, truth and honesty, this nation won't survive. Because you see, in those days, uh, the most reliable source of truth in any court setting was eyewitness. Uh, there, there was no forensic science, no fingerprinting, no DNA, no NICS, none of that stuff. The witnesses had to be reliable and they had to be honest. Because if they weren't, relationships would break. And you break enough relationships and ultimately you will break an entire nation. You and I were created for relationship with God, with one another, with ourselves. And in order for those relationships to thrive, to be all that God intended for them to be, they must be built upon truth, honesty, trust. That's why when a marriage begins, it starts with two people facing one another, making promises 
that they will be trustworthy, they will be loyal, they will be true to one another. Business deals often have a promissory note. Things put down fair and square in writing where one individual says, I will do this, you can trust me. Personal relationships, society as a whole depends. If we're going to function, it depends upon a foundation of truth and honesty. And of course, that's not anything that we necessarily need to be taught. Really, it's, it's almost something that we in, intuit, we understand from an early age because all of us, everyone here has experienced the blessings that come with telling the truth and with being told the truth. And all of us know the consequences, the sometimes very painful consequences that follow from telling a lie or being lied to. God created us for healthy, life-giving, loving relationships in every sphere of life. But trust must be there. It's no exaggeration to say, I think, that trust is the oxygen that relationships so desperately need to survive. Now, knowing this to be true, one has to ask the question then, why do we lie? I, I, I doubt there's a single person here who would deny the truth of what I just said, and yet I'm certain there's not a single person here who hasn't at some point in time lied in one form, fashion, or another. Why do we do that when we can see so clearly it is not in the best interest of anyone involved? Well, I'm sure there are many different reasons for each individual situation, but I believe there is one overarching reason behind every lie, behind every prevarication, behind every misrepresentation of the truth, and that is fear. Fear. We're afraid of the consequences that may follow if we tell the truth. And so we seek to protect ourselves. We're afraid of being rejected. If I tell you the truth, you, you might not like me. You might not love me anymore. We're afraid of a loss of control. This, this situation isn't going the way that I think it should. And so we, we try to bend reality to fit our understanding of how things ought to be, even if they don't match reality. We're afraid of losing our reputation. We're afraid of the punishment that may come. If we tell the truth, we weigh things out and decide, nope, not worth it. I'll just live in a lie and forego the punishment. We fear the pain. I didn't trust God enough. I didn't trust Becky enough to tell the truth about the piece of carpet. I deceived myself into thinking, oh, it, things will be better if I lie. But in fact, it was just one more hit at the foundation of trust in our relationship. But if we live a life of deceit and untruth long enough, 
we're setting ourselves up for a very dangerous, a very ominous situation. Because you see, every time we tell a lie, we are creating a new reality, a different reality, one that suits our purposes. And if we tell lies long enough and live lives of deceit long enough, it's kind of like putting on a mask. With every successive lie, we're putting on this mask of deceit. And before too long, we begin to view all of life through this mask of lies that we have built. We begin to believe our own lies. And even worse, that's how the world sees us. In other words, they don't really know who we are. God intends for relationships to be a situation where we know and are known fully. But if we built a mask of lies, no one can really know us, nor can we ever truly know someone else. Because doubt and mistrust and fear will always be lurking there in the back of our minds. Lying, living a life of lies and deceit is a dangerous, dangerous proposition. We create a new reality. And we have a name for people who create their own reality. They're called psychotic. Lying is a form of mental disease. It's a lack of mental health. God calls us to something so much better, so much richer, so much more human as he created humans to be. So what do we do? We see clearly this, this is not what God intended. This will not help me become human in the fullest sense of the word. What do we do? Well, Jesus has words of instruction for us. In the Gospel of John, there are two lessons in particular he teaches with regard to the truth. And the first of those is, if we are going to be people of the truth, we must begin by making an absolute unconditional commitment to the truth. Now, notice I did not say a commitment to truth or a truth, certainly not your truth, but to the truth. Jesus said of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way that we can become people of the truth is if we lean into our relationship with the very embodiment of truth, Jesus Christ. If we are willing to acknowledge, I, I don't possess truth. Within myself, I do not have truth. My culture does not have truth. My crowd does not have truth. My favorite news station does not have truth. My favorite social media does not have truth. Because all of those forms of truth are here today and gone tomorrow. 
depending upon the needs of the moment. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the truth that we need outside of us, objective, unchanging truth that is not pushed and pulled and changed by every whim, by every event. He is truth. To not begin there, to not begin by acknowledging the need to be in relationship with the truth leaves us open to being blown about by every wind that comes along. And we can aptly be described the way the Israelites were described in the book of Judges. There was no king in Israel. And so every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's what a life without objective truth leads to. It's me deciding what is my truth. You deciding what is your truth. I don't know who coined the phrase, live your truth. I don't even know what that means. But I know it's what, not what God wants for us. Because when we live that way, I have my truth, you have your truth. They collide. Which truth is going to win? I'll tell you which truth is going to win. Might makes right. And might makes right is just a step or two away from tyranny. No, brothers and sisters, you and I need a king. We need the king of kings. The one who understood himself rightly to be the truth. To be the only one upon which we can build a solid, fulfilling, God-honoring life. And any other foundation is sure to crumble beneath us. Second lesson Jesus teaches us is that we can't stop with committing ourselves to the truth. We need to abide in that truth. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, what does it mean to abide? Well, basically, it means to stay put, to put down some stakes, to live there, to be there. Jesus is calling us to a permanent relationship with him. One that we are engaging with on a daily basis. When Jesus spoke these words, he was addressing a crowd of people who had been following him from a distance for some time. They, they were sort of dabbling in discipleship. He's sticking their toe in the water. and you know, He is doing some pretty amazing things, granted, but I just don't know if I want to... And Jesus finally says, enough. It's time to get off the fence. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to know truth, truth that will set you free from the lies that would destroy your life, you must abide with me and my word. You've got to be with me come hell or high water. You've got to stick with me no matter what. You've got to believe that I am truth, that I have the truth. 
and that I'm worth sticking with come hell or high water. The fact of the matter is, we're going to find some source of truth somewhere. And if it's not Jesus, we're going to fashion our own. We're going to make our own God our own source of truth. And that God, that source of truth will be made in our own image with our own wisdom. But one of these days, we're going to bump up against something that is bigger than we are. There's going to be a health issue, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a sin issue. And our God, our wise source of truth God, is going to be no more effective in dealing with that problem than we are. Why? Because we have made that God in our own image. As Professor Peter Kreeft says, if you find yourself drowning in quicksand, you cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't work that way. We don't have within us what we need. The truth is outside of us, and it is in the person of Jesus. And it is only as we acknowledge him as the truth and commit ourselves to him as the truth and abide in him as the truth that we're pulled out of the quicksand of lies that life would pull us into. Jesus promises us freedom. Freedom. Freedom from what? Well, freedom always has two sides. We are set free from something and we are set free to something. And the thing that Jesus wants to set us free from is being the person that we really don't want to be. None of us, I'm sure, ever woke up one day and consciously decided, I'm not going to be the sort of person that I wouldn't be proud of. I'm not going to be the sort of person that I really can't live with, that keeps me up at night, that wouldn't be pleasing to God. But it's all too easy to get drawn in to the lies of this world and if we're not committed to and abiding in the truth, almost without realizing it, they begin to form and shape our thinking, our values, our priorities, and our choices. And suddenly, we find ourselves living a life that we did not want to live. We didn't want to be the kind of person who felt it necessary to hide a bottle of whiskey from the rest of the family and be deceitful about our need to drink. We didn't want to be the kind of person that was carrying on a relationship on social media that would break our spouse's heart. We didn't want to be the sort of man that takes every moment, every opportunity to take a look at pornography 
to meet some hurt, some pain, some need in our lives. We didn't want to be the sort of woman that talks about other women behind their backs and runs them down and proves to be a false friend. No, none of us want to be that. And so Jesus comes to us and says, you don't have to be that. You don't have to live a lie. If you will abide with me, if you will be my disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free from all of those things that you never wanted to be and set you free to becoming the man, the woman that God created you to be. A man whose life is marked by love and joy and peace and patience. A woman whose life is marked by love and joy and peace and patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the spirit, a blessing to others, a servant to all. One who walks around with the aroma of Christ impacting the world. God calls us to something so much higher than a life of lies. Some of us here today uh, are convinced perhaps that we, we are in a relationship with the truth. We have made that significant step. At least that's the image that we present to the world. Work ourselves to death presenting to the world. But deep down inside, we know that's not true. We know that that's just an image. And that in our heart of hearts, we haven't surrendered to anything Sometimes we can feel the twist, the pain of that double life. And for a fleeting moment, we think about maybe, maybe I should just come clean. Maybe I should just own. But just that fast, the door of pride slams that thought shut. No. I've worked too hard to build this. What would they think if I own my falsehood now? Friends, Jesus never intended for you to carry that load. You're not blessed by it. Nobody's blessed by it. God isn't pleased by it. Jesus offers you something so much more beautiful, so much more worth pursuing. A relationship with him. The truth. The truth. The only truth which can penetrate and change our deceitful hearts. I was reading uh, in the book of Haggai this week. Not something I typically do, to be honest. But in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, I came across some interesting verses. God says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, stop, think. Where are you going? All of this effort that you're putting forth, is it, is it paying off? You know, you, you, har you plant, you plant, and you plant, but you're not harvesting anything. You eat, and you eat, and you eat, 
but you're not filled. You drink and drink, but you're not satisfied. You have plenty of clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages and wages and wages, but you put them in bags that have holes in them. In other words, you're living a lie. God says, give thought to your ways. I have something so much better. Some of you here today are being challenged with this notion for the very first time. And some of you here today are feeling convicted in your hearts because God is putting his finger on a deception that you have carried far too long. And he is saying to you this morning, it's time to do something about it. I've called you to live a life of truth. I have given you my son that you might live a life of truth. And so I want us to close our time together this morning by talking to God about that very thing. Whatever it is, he's putting his finger on this morning. I want us to come clean to own it and to get rid of it once and for all. To know the truth and let the truth set us free. Won't you pray with me? Lord, we confess to you that because we're afraid, because we don't trust you, because we think that somehow or another we can save ourselves, we lie, we deceive, we take matters into our own hands. We try to arrange things in such a way that will be best for us, but all the while we know it's not true. It's window dressing. Oh God, I pray for each and every person here this morning, myself included, whatever you have put your finger on this morning that needs to change, that needs to be surrendered, Lord, we give that to you now. I, I would encourage you where you sit just to open your hands, palms up as a gesture of giving to God what he never wanted you to have and receiving from him freedom. Freedom. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. Help us, oh God, to walk in the truth. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.